Welcome to All That Talk. It's Friday, April 24th, 2020. I'm alongside Adam Jackman, Lewis Blakeman, and Chris Spina. The draft was last night, and we have a lot to go over today. But before we do, let's take a look at the standings. Yours truly is in first place with 14 points. Next is my friend Adam Jackman at 12, and Lewis at 11. And Chris, who didn't do the quiz last week, is sitting in the basement at 7. Uh, with that out of the way, Adam, just uh, bring us into the news. All right, Matt, thank you for that wonderful intro here on a great Friday from Port Washington, New York. Um, So each week we do news of the week around the sports world, considering we are in quarantine right now. We got to find some interesting topics. So Chris, why don't you take us into your topic, which uh, a lot of teams are changing their jerseys, but you liked a particular team that changed their jerseys this week. Yeah, boys, the Chargers have brand new uniforms and they are straight fuego they are fire they're beautiful the powder blue they have a navy blue one with the yellow pants uh that they can put on there as well i love them i think they're the best uniform that's been released this offseason what about you guys how do you feel about them and the other ones in comparison i really don't like them at all really wow 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 in my opinion they look like a jersey they look like the uniforms that you'd make and like build a franchise on madden like i feel like i could have made that jersey I, I, I love them. I, I mean, they're like the original. It's like the AFL. It's it's awesome. I love the powder blue. and I love the navy ones, too. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, a lot of these jerseys are getting a lot cleaner, a lot simpler, kind of minimalist designs. Uh, but, you know, the Chargers, I think, did it right. I love that powder blue, like you said, Matt. And the navy, I think, like people are saying, that's like the best jersey in the NFL. Uh, obviously, Lou, you don't agree. You like you like uh, those black. I don't like those black ones. Uh, yeah, if you bad. can see, if we're on the video here, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see the Lou's got a black Jets Jamal Adams jersey there. This is the rule with black jerseys. If you're a fan of a team who has black jerseys, you love them, and then you think everybody else's black jerseys are stupid. That's how it works. I don't know about that. I like the Cardinals black jerseys that they had. The Reds are no. so much nicer. I yeah, so no, I, agree. I, I, I hate agree, the Cardinals right. ones, and I hate like. The what Fal- about the Falcons? Ravens? I hate the Falcons ones. The Ravens are nice, but the Falcons are awful. Ravens are fire, right? Ra- Ravens like the no. Black Raven, you know. The Falcons fade jerseys are so nice. No, I don't mind those the new ones. Black and the logo. No. Mm-mm. I hate yeah. the Falcons uniforms, but yeah, I really enjoyed the Chargers ones. I think I thought they were the best of the off season, and I think Justin Herbert's going to look really good in them. I I think so too. We'll get into that a little later on. Uh, but Lou, you have some more news from around the NFL. Uh, big news this week. I'm, I'm sure everyone has heard about it. Why don't you take us into that? Well, if you haven't heard, Gronk is coming out of retirement to join his buddy Tom down in Tampa. Patriots traded Gronk his one-year $9 million contract and a seventh-rounder to the Bucks in exchange for a fourth-rounder. Um, I mean, that's just that, I'm just going to tell you the news. I, I can't tell you how I feel about it. So, Matt, you had an interesting bet prop that we wanted to uh, discuss here on the show. And why don't you take us into that, and then we can get going on our opinions. Yeah, so after after Gronk got moved to the Bucks, the line for the Bucks wins over-under is 9.5. So I was wondering what you guys think. Are you taking the over or under on that? Look, I got a lot of opinions uh, about this, so I'll kind of start off and then let other guys take over. But um, I'm taking the under. I think the Tampa Bay Browns are uh, the Tampa. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'll call them that. I think they're the Tampa Bay Browns. They're the they're the Browns of this year. You know, everyone had you know the Browns so hyped up going into 2019. They got Odell Beckham. They got they you know had Jarvis Landry. Um, You know, they thought this was the team, and then you know ended up getting what six wins? I think on the season. 
Um, so I, I think, you know, Tom Brady, I love Tom Brady. I mean, I'm not going to disguise it. I mean, I'm a Giants fan. We beat him twice. I don't have any disputes about him. Uh, I, I think he's a, he's the best quarterback of all time. Um, but you know, he's 42 years old. Like Lewis said last show, I kind of agree with what, with Lewis, what Lewis brought up and, uh, you know, they're going to have to address some, some points on defense if they're, if they're going to make a run at even an NFC South championship, uh, you know, and, and above nine wins. Yeah, I I agree with you, Adam. I I don't see them going over nine wins. Um, I I just think the Saints are too good. It's the Saints division. Drew Brees there, Kamara, Michael Thomas, and they have a good defense too. I think New Orleans takes care of business, takes care of business in the NFC South, and I could see them going eight and eight, maybe nine and seven, but I I don't see them cracking ten wins. It's a tough league, and when you play the Saints twice a year, and you I mean. Let's not forget about the Falcons. They got better. The Panthers, while they got rid of Newton, I mean, Olsen's now back healthy again, and they did bring in Bridgewater, and they got Derek Brown last night, a defensive tackle, which was a, a void they needed to fill. So, uh, Greg Olsen's in Seattle. Oh, is he? Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but, I mean, at the same time, I feel like the Panthers, they did make a change. They changed. But they got Robbie they, Anderson, so. They did. They got him from the Jets. And I, I think that – um Carolina, at least they've they've cha- they've changed something because they weren't winning. So I think it's difficult to say that the Bucks are a lock for more than nine wins. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I may be the lone shark here, but I'm taking the over. I think the Bucks were a dark horse playoff team without all these additions. I think I liked what they did last year. They had the number one run defense in football. I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, I think with you take out those thirty interceptions, they may have they may have been a, a contender in the playoffs. Uh, you add, I mean, you add Gronk, you know, he's coming out of retirement. We'll see what that does. Uh, but, you know, Bruce Arians has made a lot of winners, whether that's Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger or Carson Palmer in Arizona. I think I, I like what I see. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think 10, 11 wins is very possible. Look, Matt, I, I got to agree. Just final point on this. Um, you know, Bruce Arians, amazing coach, um, something that the Browns did not have. I think Freddie Kitchens is a lot part to blame for their lack of success. So, um, that may be a deciding factor, and they could potentially squeeze out a couple more wins just because of his uh, his strategy. Yeah, and let's not forget that, I mean, Todd Bowles wasn't a good coach, but a defense coordinator, that's a good defense coordinator they got back there. So Yeah, he did a good job when he was with the Cardinals, and that's why he got the head, head coaching job with the Jets. So, Well, uh, Matt, I know you had a strong opinion about Lewis's uh, News of the Week, but you got your own take uh, in the NHL. Why don't you take us through that? Yeah, I mean, just a, just a cool story that came out of the NHL with all the coronavirus kind of rescheduling the season. They're discussing a June draft and actually starting the season afterwards and doing some sort of four-city plan when they do well, where they'll do three games a day. That's about all that we've heard about it. But I was just kind of wondering how you guys thought that's going to turn out, if it's going to work that way, and how they'd like do that scheduling was. Personally, I don't see – I just don't understand it. How could you do uh, a draft before you conclude the season? Like the order of the teams, I know there's a draft lottery in the NHL, but it just doesn't make sense to do the draft before the season continues. And like, would those players then be eligible to play for the rest of the season? I don't think so. But I mean, and then you have the playoffs. I just think it, it doesn't make sense for them to do the draft before the season ends. It's just mind-boggling. I can't imagine like how that would work. And I, I personally, I think they should either just try to finish the regular season in playoffs and then just do like a shortened season next year, or just cancel the rest of this one. I don't think it's it's very feasible to do that because you're then you're altering everything and it just doesn't it's not fair to the teams who played all year. While they do want to have somebody win the cup, you could do it in a different way rather than completely changing the structure of the league. 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't know, you know, it, it obviously, I agree with you, Chris, that it, it leaves the, you know, teams in an odd position of, you know, do these guys get to play and what's the order and all things like that. But for the players themselves, like a lot of these guys are in college or they're going to college or they're playing in another professional capacity. And then you're kind of leaving them out to dry over this kind of summer period into the fall. And then what happens if other leagues start up and then the NHL doesn't, and you know, it just kind of leaves them in, in this such limbo. So the players might not have as much control over what they do and it may leave them out to dry in my opinion. So I think on, on the one hand, the draft does provide some, some stability for players, but then again, Chris, I think it, it disadvantages the teams. So it's really a hard, hard situation they're put in. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with the draft and the draft lottery, I'm not really sure how they're going to uh, coordinate that. But in terms of, like, actually getting the draft done, I don't really think I see a need for them to move the draft. Uh, I mean, like, it, that they can do it how the NFL did, how the WNBA did over online Zoom call. So, Yeah, I, I think, yeah, Matt, you got something to say? Yeah, I, I, just in terms of, like, restarting the season, I'm wondering – like, I guess they're going to restart the regular season, but I, I've had this idea in my head for a couple of weeks where they can almost do a playoff where they would just extend, extend the bracket to teams who are eligible in the playoffs. And so, and so I know like there's, if you include, if you include the wild card and at least the Eastern conference, there's like two other teams that are out that could possibly make it if the season ended, like we're not yeah. talking about like it just ended right now. Mm -hmm. So what if they just did like kind of a four person bracket for a four team bracket for the wild card? two teams come out on top and like continue the playoffs that way. Cause I think it would even work in the Western conference too. I mean, we definitely have to look at it. I know in the East it's there, the four teams right at right next to each other are Columbus Rangers, Islanders and hurricanes. But at the same time, they play a different amount of games. So like, for example, the Islanders have played less games than Columbus, but Columbus has the wild card two spot, even though the Islanders have more points per game. So technically if the season did end, the Islanders would get into that final wild card spot over Columbus. But then again, like, I just, bro, I, I just don't know how this would work. Like, with this, with all this, I think you have to finish the season. You have to finish at least do a shortened season, but you have to finish games in the season I, and have a normal playoff. Because if you're the next team out in that four teams, like you said, like Florida's maybe like a couple points behind the Rangers, then that's not fair to Florida. Like, they'll be like, oh, why is it four teams, not five? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would just say just because they wouldn't, like, if the season ended now, and they got to make up all the games, they still wouldn't have even made the playoffs. But, but where's your cutoff at four, too? They wouldn't get the finish, but it's just, you know. Yeah, because, I, I, I mean, then you cut off at four, and then you have the Rangers two points out. And But let's say in the West, it's a different amount of numbers, be, difference between points. So, like, I mean, personally, I, I just don't think choosing teams to be played in, to play in for the SOTs, unless you include, like, a large quantity of those teams, if you just choose the four highest in two in a spot two out of a spot i don't think that's very fair like a team like florida let's say but. well i just think it'd be the teams that are eligible but and i think in the west it works out that way but it's it, we have to look at it mm -hmm. yeah i think there'll be uh definitely developments in that on that front over the next month or so um in terms of what commissioner bettman wants to decide so we'll keep you guys updated on that but getting into our final news of the week that's my take on the news so um the boston red sox got handed down a hammer by Commissioner Rob Manfred uh, over their uh, allegations of sign stealing during the 2018 season. Uh, the penalty that was handed down Wednesday 
uh, $5 million fine, loss of a first-round draft pick in 2020 and 2021. Uh, their replay operator, JT Watkins, suspended through the 2020 playoffs, along with their manager, Alex Cora. But he's actually suspended in another scandal, which was the Astros scandal in 2017. So he's not even getting punished for this scandal, but will be suspended nonetheless. And I just wanted to uh, you know, kind of go into a little bit of what this scandal was. So what they were using was an unauthorized camera in the center field wall um, that operate replay operator operated um, stealing signs from home plate. They said they only used it with runners in scoring position. And if that's the case, I got some interesting stats for you. JD Martinez, who was the cleanup hitter for the Red Sox in 2018, his career uh, average with running runners in scoring position was is 305. But in 2018, he hit 386 with runners in scoring position. Xander Bogarts, the three hitter for the Red Sox, he hit two, he's hitting 286 career with running in scoring position, and he hit 342 that season. And um, in in the postseason, the Red Sox had a 346 uh, average with runners in scoring position. And during 2017, their team average was 277 with runners in scoring position. And in 2018, it was 289. So a full 12 points above for an entire team. That's very significant. And honestly, I mean, the cheating in baseball has just gotten out of hand. And I mean, the stats are just key of it. And it's just, it's just a disgrace to the game at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it can't be allowed. I think the penalty should have been worse. You can't condone cheating. I get that it's been a part of baseball for a while, but they got to end it. But you got to, you got to embarrass cheaters. You got to let everyone know what they did. You got, you, you know, you got, you got to, it's got to be a firm punishment. Yeah, I think they, they, they should have suspended Cora for this scandal and the last scandal. I think they, I think they should have dealt out player suspension in, in either this scandal or the last scandal. I think Carlos Beltran should have been suspended in some capacity. Um, it's just, I don't think, I mean, people have been calling it a hammer, but I, I honestly don't think it's, it's that much of, of a severe punishment. Um, Correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Is this the first time that a major cheating scandal has happened in the MLB? It, it's, I mean, you know, there's cheating scandals going back all the, the way. Black like said. I mean, yeah, Black Scots, they, they were allegedly losing games. Pete Rose, I mean, it, it's been like individual players mostly, but these are team-wide, you know, sign-stealing camera operations. And now you enter the difficult thing, you know, because sign-stealing is a part of the game in the MLB. If you go on second base and you have a runner and you steal the signs from home plate, that's allowed. You, you can relay them using, you know, shoulder cues or whatever you want. You just can't use technology. And the, and the Boston Red Sox already have gotten in trouble for using technology in a subway se- in a in a rivalry Sunday night baseball game against the Yankees. They used Apple watches to position their outfielders to the positions of the batters, and it, it just crosses a line where there's unfair technological advantages um, that are allowed for certain teams that others can't access. If you're using anything on your body or you know signs or you know wrist tape or anything like that, that's not a problem. But when technology and outside information comes into it, I think that's where you where you cross the line. So, you know, in my opinion, I just think, yeah, Matt, you said it. it's not harsh enough. I think MLB should should take action against it. Um, but really, that's our news of the week this week. Some very interesting topics, and we got more to go as we head into our next section. All right. So. The next section we're moving into is the most convincing unpopular sports opinions. And we did this last week. Um, and I think that it's going to be a segment that we're going to continue. It's kind of going to be a 
just like an overall like brand image for our podcast. And what it is, is we have each of us talking about a sports opinion that others may not agree with or is kind of under talked, under talked about. So um, since I'll be moderating it. So each person gets one minute to make their claim. And since I'm also moderating it, I'm, I've decided that I'm going to go last. So do we have anyone that wants to go first? I will right. attempt one. All right. All right. So All you right. get one minute and then we rank it one to five. Uh, one awful, two bad, uh, below average, three decent, four good, and five amazing. Yep. All right. Ready? So my, yep. Here we go. Uh, my, go. Okay. <laughs> my unpopular opinion is that the Arizona Cardinals will have a winning record next season. And at first, you may, you may be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They, went f- they won only five games last year. The NFC is an extremely difficult division. But hear me out. They have a stacked offense. They stole DeAndre Hopkins from Houston. He's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Kenyon Drake's going to easily and easily replace David Johnson. And while you may be thinking David Johnson is a great running back for Arizona and Kenyon Drake may not be that good, listen to this. Kenyon Drake's putting up career numbers since his trade to Arizona. He's had eight touchdowns in eight games with the Cardinals after no touchdowns in six games with Miami last season. Kyler Murray had a solid rookie year and progressed nicely throughout the season, and he can only get better with Hopkins joining that wide receiver group. The O-line is decent, and they could get better in the draft, which continues tonight. Last year, they had a really uh, awful defense, but they have made some notable acquisitions. They signed defensive end Jordan Phillips from the Bills, who had nine and a half sacks in Buffalo last year. Yesterday, they got Isaiah Simmons with at pick eight, which was a great pick. He can fill many holes in their defense. They signed linebackers Devondre Campbell and Devon Kennard to fill holes in that defense as well. And they have an easy schedule. The Rams had a horrible all right, free all right, agency. All right, that's all it. Right. <laughs> that's it for Spine. Um, so we're giving our takes. Uh, I, I'm going to give that uh, a four. I think that was a very solid take. Um, what was your your, fi- your first claim was that the, that they'll have a winning season? You said yes. Yes, I think yeah. they'll have a winning record. I, I think I think that's possible. I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, like I mean, the NFC West is really stacked, but the Rams are kind of you know dropping. Um, the uh, the Seahawks are going to be good. The Niners are going to be really good. So I mean, th- th- those are going to be tough games. So. It's going to be close, but like if they can pull off some of their some of their non divisional games, um, I think you have I think you have a point. And uh, yeah, Simmons was an amazing pick. I don't know how he fell to eight, but uh, uh, they got really lucky in that. So I think that's a four. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a th- I'm going to give it a three. Uh, I'm you know I think that's a good argument. I just I, I think they'll probably be more like seven and nine area. I think they're still a year away, and I think that defense is pretty decimated still even though I have a lot of faith in Kyler Murray and uh, Cliff Kingsbury and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but, yeah, I think a three is, is what I'm going to give it. Cliff Kingsbury, USC, baby. <laughs> yeah, so when I – you're going to see with my unpopular sports opinion, and it's very similar to Spina's. And I actually had thought about talking about the Cardinals. I decided to talk about a different team, which you're going to find out. But for that reason, um, I'm going to give it a three as well, just because I did really consider the Cardinals – uh, for my position. And I think that with adding Isaiah Simmons, they're going to be able to build that defense. As Matt said, it's a little bit depleted. And winning games in the division is definitely going to be super difficult. But um, I did like the take. Thank you, guys. So that's 10 for me. Yep. 11. No, no 10. 10. Yes, I'm bad at math. That's why I don't measure right. in math. <laughs> Who are we going to move on to, Adam or Matt? 
Uh, I'll take it away. All right, Lou, tell me when, uh, tell me when uh, to go. All right, three, two, one, go. All right, so my unpopular opinion is that the University of Southern California, where I go to school, uh, has the best receiving core in the nation entering 2020. Um, so my argument's going to center around they are fifth in, they were fifth in the nation in receiving yards last season. Uh, three receivers in the top 50 in the nation in receiving yards last season. Uh, LSU losing a lot of receivers to the draft. Um, and a lot of other top teams losing receivers to the draft. But USC is keeping all their production. They have Tyler Vons, Amon Ross St. Brown, Drake London, and adding two five-star redshirt freshmen uh, in Kyle Ford and Brew McCoy uh, coming into the season. They have Keaton Slovis, who was probably the best freshman quarterback in the country, arguably, um, and will have an even better sophomore campaign as he develops with his wide receivers. He had a 71% completion percentage, and they have one of the best offensive coordinators in college football in Graham Harrell. They had great offensive production. Their receivers are coming back. They're only going to lose Michael Pittman to the draft, who's, who might get drafted by the Jets tonight, and uh, that's why they're the best receiving core in the country. All right, I can start. Uh, I'm going to give you a four. I like that. I mean, I, I think USC flies under the radar as a very, you know, kind of like an NFL factory. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if they will be the best, but they'll be in that conversation. There's no doubt about it. It's certainly in the Pac-12. Uh, I'm not blown away, but I think it was a good argument. It's a four. Yeah, I'm going to give a three. I think it was a solid argument. Uh, but it's, I may be wrong, but isn't JT Daniels trying to transfer? And I feel uh, like, but, yeah. yeah, JT Daniels trying to transfer, but Keaton Slovis last year passed for over 3,000 yards in – I believe it was nine game or not, not uh, yeah Nine games that he played and he got injured in one of those games. So eight complete games. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the rising stars in college football. Well, yeah. So I'm, I'm sticking with my three. I think it's a good argument. I mean, they're obviously some very talented receivers out in LA. I'm not sure if they, they're going to be the best, but you, you did a uh, solid job. And I feel if I'm not a hundred percent sold on Slovis, but I mean, you, you, for all we know, he could end up, making this USC core one of the best. Uh, so I'll, I think a three is a fair grade. I'm going to have to go with a four on this one. Um, I think you made really good points. Uh, I mean, I lack a little bit of knowledge in terms of other teams as wide receiving groups. Uh, I mean, if it was this year, I would obviously have to go with LSU because their, their wide receiving core was insane. But now that they're losing uh, Justin Jefferson, who was their main guy, uh, I think that USC could definitely come in um, and steal that spot. Yeah, and in, in reference to other teams, you just look at the production for the top, like, five, um, and you see LSU at number one, and, you know, you Alabama. see teams like Alabama, and, and mm-hmm. but those those teams are losing quarterbacks, and they're losing, you know, great wide receivers, so that's going to hurt sure. their production. I think USC can step up. Yeah. All right, so that's 11 for Adam. I, I can do math. Not sure. <laughs> if, you, if I need if, business if I major right here yes sir <laughs> yeah, that's right we go to Hassan right yeah yeah all right so my claim is that Luka Doncic is going to have a better career than Giannis Antetokounmpo and this is my Whoa. reason wow he's wow, four years wow. younger he's four years younger he's still growing and I think we have to remember Giannis at 21 if you compare the two at the same age Doncic has 12 more points per game four more assists per game two more rebounds per game and hits two more threes per game he's also like uh, right now, Giannis only averages one more point per game, and Giannis has slightly more rebounds. Doncic has slightly more assists. I don't think they're that far off right now. Uh, I think the Mavericks are 
going to be a better team and they're a more stable kind of better organization that could probably get him a championship and add that to his resume. Uh, I mean, they've, they've won recently. So that's the heart of my argument. I think they're, I think, you know, he's better and I think the team is going to support him better. And he's younger. Hmm. Lou, you want to take it? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing with Giannis was when the Bucks selected him, they knew that he was going to be a project. So when Giannis has those developmental years of him, like kind of, well, he's just a much different player now than he was when he was drafted into the league. And I think in terms of how you define their uh, careers, I, I mean, I think I, you could have gone into a little bit more in terms of defining what makes them a better player. Uh, I mean, what makes them have a better career. And I think that Giannis, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. I'm, I'm going to have to go with the three. For me, I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but at the same time, Giannis's size and his ability for his size is definitely allows him to take over games more than Doncic, in my opinion. I mean, and I think the Bucks, they were one of the best teams, if not the best, I think. Were they the best? Yeah, they year? were the best. In the yeah, they were the best team. So he shows that he can literally carry this, like the Bucks team. If, if he could, if they can get somebody else to play with him, I think, like like almost how Doncic has Porzingis and other players in Dallas, if they can get a surrounding player other than Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe, if he's still there, I think that that can really enhance Giannis. So, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to have to give you two. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was a good take. Uh, I'm going to give it a three. I'll explain. Um, I, yeah, I think Lou was right in that, you know, the Bucks coming in. I mean, this guy, they picked him literally off the street. Giannis, uh, you know, a Greek kid, you know, coming out of nowhere. Um, and they knew they'd have to work with him. So, you know, comparing the stats, I, I don't see that argument as much. But, I mean, Luka Doncic can, can flat out play. He's one of the he, – he's probably the best player at that age ever um, in, in, ter- in terms of the NBA. So, I, I think you definitely got a point there. I think in terms of longevity, Luka can really, really play. I don't know if Giannis' physical, you know, attributes are going to last as long. So, in the terms of the career – you know, you, you definitely got a point. Um, but I think Giannis, you know, he's got the team. Uh, the Bucks could really make a run at some championships. They could potentially create, you know, some sort of dynasty there. Um, so, you know, that may cancel out. Uh, and the Mavs are kind of on the come up. So I'll give it a three. It's definitely a good take, though. All right. So now I'm going to move in to my unpopular sports opinion, the last one. And here we go. All right, so similar to Chris, I went with the Carolina Panthers are going to be the biggest surprise of the league next year. Um, In other words, they are going to have a winning record. (laughs) I don't know if you guys expected that. Uh, I don't think you did. I personally didn't until I did the research. Uh, But based off free agency, you would think that they would probably become worse because they lost some big-name players and Gerald McCoy, Bruce Serfin, and James Bradbury. However, um, they were quite horrendous last year when they did have these guys, and their problem stemmed from their quarterback play. So the acquisition of Teddy Bridgewater is going to put this team on the map. I love Teddy Two Gloves, and here's why. Dating back to when he was on the Vikings, he's always been a re- reliable guy. There hasn't been a year when he's had lower than 60% completion percentage. Last year when he was with the Saints, uh, he was 5-0 and as a starter when he filled in for Drew Brees when he broke his thumb. And... He has the help in Carolina to really be successful and help his team win games with Christian McCaffrey, the best pass, the best running and pass catching back in the league. Um, and I think they'll have a similar impact to what Tannehill and Derrick Henry presented last year. 
All right, I can start. Um, my, okay, my thing is going to be that I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is like, I don't think he's going to be able to carry them. I don't think that's his game. I think he needs a good offensive line. I know the Panthers have great weapons, probably one of the best uh, weapons in the league. But once again, they lost Luke Keekley, They lost Gerald McCoy. They lost James Bradbury. The defense, there's, there's a lot of holes in the, that defense. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to stop teams. And I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater can help them out, uh, you know, to keep up with those points. So I think I'm going to have to go with, I think I'm going to go with the two. Yeah, I agree with Matt. Um, I, 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 while Teddy Bridgewater may come in and stir things up, uh, it's important to remember that, like, I don't think he, his, like, I don't think him himself. And the Panthers won five games last year. Five right? and eleven, yeah. Five and eleven. I don't think just by adding Bridgewater and losing all these other pieces, they're going to go from five wins to four to get four more wins to basically double their wins just by one player in Teddy Bridgewater. It's not like they're getting Tom Brady, like as in the bucks are where they're getting another star player. Um, and they did get worse. They did like in the off season and everybody else got better. We just saw Tampa Bay already be com- being compared to a Super Bowl contender, which we said before, I don't necessarily agree with, but we see that the saints, we know they're going to be really good. And another thing about Bridgewater is that he went five and zero with a dynamic saints offense. Like you have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, they're a really, really good offense. I just, I don't see Bridgewater having the same effect. I'm going to have to go with the, the two, two. I'll go with the three. Um, I think Bridgewater can really connect with guys like DJ Moore um, and Robbie Anderson on the offense. I think their offense is going to be um, much above their 20th ranked offense in the league last season. I think they'll crack uh, top 15, possibly top 10 in the league, um, especially against, um, you know, the Saints, uh, Bucks, and um, – and you know the division, division, and and the Falcons, um, who don't have notoriously great defenses. Uh, but yeah, what Matt said, um, in terms of their defense, they're going to be have really tough teams to stop in the AFC, in the a- NFC South as well. So I don't know if they can quite do that. I don't know if they can have a winning record. But I definitely see the argument that their offense is going to get a lot better. So if they can, you know, win those shootout type games of like thirty four to thirty type, you know, victories. They could possibly create an eight and eight, nine and seven season out of nowhere, especially if you know the Bucks fall off, um, and Brady doesn't deliver. Yeah, I mean, hopefully adding baby Barack, Derek Brown, on <laughs> uh, nose tackle will help them. Uh, I definitely see where you guys are coming from, though, with the holes in the defense. Um, I definitely do also agree with Adam if they can win some of these shootout games uh, with the weapons they do have on offense: Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Um, they could. I I do think that they could have a winning record next year. Yeah, I think it's important just to point out that it's Matt Rule's first uh, job as an NFL head coach, so it might take a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. So read it out. I can't see Adam. Yeah. So our final point check for this round is Adam at eleven, Chris at ten, Matt at eight, and me myself at seven. All right. So I believe that will move us on to our first discussion about the NFL draft. So we have three segments of this mini topic. It's who was the best pick in the draft? Well, the first round since that happened last night. So it was who was the best pick, who was the worst pick, and the biggest surprise. So let's go around the horn briefly just to mention a couple players and only give a couple reasons why it's not going to be like that big into it because we're doing three individual parts, I guess you could say. But so we'll go – that way so Lou Matt Adam then I'll go wait should I do 
uh, my best pick first, or should I do all of them? We will all do our best pick, and then we'll okay. all do worst. Yeah, just just go through it all because, you know, we want to go quick with it. Yeah. So my best pick is going to be the Ravens and their selection of Patrick Queen. Uh, I think he fell right into their lap at 28. He's a sideline-to-sideline player that can hit hard. Uh, he can pass cover really well, which they haven't had since Ray Lewis was young. Um, he fills their biggest need at inside linebacker on a very complete team. He's super young. He's not even 21 yet. Uh, only downside is he's a little undersized, and he's only started one year in college, but with a stout D-line of Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams, uh, they should be able to free up some blocks for him. All right, Matt. Are, are you, we're going to do a worst pick as well? Oh, I thought we were going around for just best pick. No, we're going to go around. And then okay. I, mean, I had the same answer, honestly. I had Patrick Queen. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 mean, I can just add to what you were saying. The rich get richer. I mean, he should have been a top 20 pick. He's the best linebacker besides Isaiah Simmons. I think he's every bit of Devin White last year without the experience. Um, you know, the, Ra- the, Ra- uh, the, the Ravens add to another, like their collection of badass mofos. I think I, I w- I'm wondering if they grow on trees in Baltimore because they seem to have like, tons of them on defense. So, yeah, that's, that's my pick. Uh, I'd say the best pick of the draft uh, come at maybe a bit of a surprise to everybody. Uh, the last pick in the draft in the first round, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, out of LSU, uh, coming from Coach Ogeron. Um, this guy, I think, is I think he's the best running back in the draft. Uh, he's undersized, but that hasn't stopped NFL running backs in the past. Uh, I would give him a comp to Darren Sproles. He's electric. He can come out of the backfield. And he, and as Matt said with Patrick Queen and the Ravens, the rich get richer in Kansas City. I mean, that offense is now stacked. They have a great running back core. Um, he's going to provide a, a great option for Patrick Mahomes to scramble around and find out of the backfield. And, I mean, teams are going to have in the NFC West, I, I don't know how they're going to deal with that. So, I think he just he just adds everything to complete that Kansas City offense, just really make them unstoppable so the defense doesn't even have to work hard. Well, I'm going to go on the similar train as you guys. The rich get richer in Dallas. C.D. Lamb fell right into the lap of Jerry Jones, and at 17, that pick is a steal. He joins Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, and are, I think, personally think the most talented and the best offense in the league. Eh, maybe the Chiefs, actually, but they're, they're in the top three at least. Um, they're going to be dynamic next year. And while the Cowboys could have used an edge rusher and taken him at that pick, you just can't pass on CeeDee Lamb. And I was praying the Dolphins had eight pick 18, one after Dallas. I was praying he'd fall to 18, but Dallas got a hell of a player at a hell of a pick. So we'll go to our worst pick now with Lou. All right. My worst pick goes to, um, well, it's the Packers with Jordan Love, but we'll talk more about that in the debate. Uh, but my second worst pick was Jordan Brooks to the Seattle Seahawks at 27. Uh, I, I don't see the need for Brooks on the Seattle defense. They have KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner. They used the draft pick to uh, select future starter and Cody Barton last year. Um, I mean, they ran a 4-3 a ton last year because they didn't have a nickel corner, but at 27, they had plenty of options for slot corners. Uh, obviously, we saw with the uh, Miami Dolphins at 30 when they selected their guy. Uh, but, I mean – Brooks was also projected to go early third round. I, I just think that it was probably the worst pick. Yeah, I mean, that was probably mine, but I'm going to go a little different because uh, it would mix it up. Uh, I'm going to say Damon Arnett. It was picked by the Raiders at 18. I thought he was a fourth-round pick, honestly. I, I couldn't believe he was he was picked then. I was like, I was like, really? I, I didn't think I saw it right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they could have gotten him with the sec- in the second round or the third round. Christian Fulton was there. Trayvon Diggs was there. 
Uh, and I just think, you know, you look at a guy who started opposite of Jeff Okuda, doesn't have elite speed, uh, you know, had everything set up for him at Ohio State, and I'm wondering why the Raiders are going to hang their hat at him in the first round. So. Yeah, I, I agree with both both your guys' takes. Uh, I'm going to go with my favorite team, uh, the New York Giants. Uh, I think Andrew Thomas, not the pick that the Giants wanted to make. Uh, well, I think it was a pick that the Giants wanted to make. They actually uh, coach, um, head coach, um, uh, what's Joe his Judge. name? Joe Judge. Uh, Joe Judge, yeah, of course. Uh, called Andrew Thomas three days before the draft and said they were going to pick him. Don't know why you had better offensive tackles in the draft. Uh, Jedrick Wills, Mecky um, Benton, um, and Tristan Wirfs. I would put all above uh, Andrew Thomas. Um, I think uh, Matt told me uh, off off the podcast uh, last night that that Judge and and um, Dave Gettleman, who's the GM for the Giants, drafted him because he was the most pro ready. I don't think that's a great reason to, to draft a uh, to draft one of your future offensive linemen and try to protect Daniel Jones. So I think it's worse, definitely worst pick of the draft. And I got to take a shot at Hassan's Eagles with the worst pick. Jalen Reeder to the Eagles. Huh? I said I can't say I entirely disagree. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so Jalen Reeder, wide receiver, got picked to the Philadelphia Eagles at pick 21. And he played wide receiver at TCU. He's a speedy player. But the big thing why this is the worst pick in the draft is because LSU's own Justin Jefferson was – available on the board and Minnesota got him with the next pick. I just don't understand what is going through the Eagles minds to pick Jalen Rieger over a player like Justin Jefferson and Minnesota got a steal. Yeah. I mean, what they're, what they would tell you is that they want speed on offense, but I don't think that's a good excuse. (laughs) Anyway. Well, back down to Lewis with the biggest surprise of the draft. My biggest surprise was to see Henry Ruggs picked first out of this stacked wide receiver class. Uh, I mean, I I think he's a great player. Uh, I was a little bit surprised to see him go before Judy or CD. Um, But he does, he's comparable to Tyree Kill. And John Gruden must have saw something in him that he thinks he can really work with. All right. um, That was definitely one for me. Uh, My biggest surprise is... (laughs) No, that wasn't the one I had, but that was one. Oh, okay, I had. Okay. Uh, my prepared one was how many DBs and which DBs were taken. So, like, I mean, I talked about Arnett, Noah, whatever his last name is, who was picked to the Dolphins, was uh, was a bit of a head scratcher for me. Jeff Gladney, and it's not that they're bad players, just that you know Christian Fulton was on the board, Trayvon Diggs on the board. In terms of safeties, I think it was weird that no safeties were taken. That was very strange. Especially because you have uh, Xavier McKinney and Antoine Winfield Jr., which I talked about last week. Grant Delpit is still there. He's pretty good. So, yeah, that was my biggest surprise, just kind of how the DBs fell. Yeah, I think my biggest surprise, uh, that 14 SEC players were selected in this first round. Uh, The craziest stat, I think, out of this first round, uh, the most all-time from one conference. And, uh, you know, obviously the SEC had a great year, um, you know, but, I I mean, that's, that's just a crazy stat that I wanted to bring up. And for my biggest surprise, it's my team, the Dolphins, picking Noah. Um, I'm, I'll try it. Uh, I have no shame in trying. Igbinogene, maybe? <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but it was a surprising pick. As Matt said, there were other corners on the board. When I when I heard the pick, I was like, what? Like, I was shocked. I believe I was on FaceTime with you, Lou. Since the yeah. Dolphins already have the two 
highest paid defensive backs in the league in Byron Jones and um, and Xavier Howard. They already have two elite corners in the league. Why would they go after a third? But the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I feel that it's a better pick and it's not a horrible pick. I wouldn't say it's a good pick, but it's not a horrible pick as this player, Noah, is a very physical player. He's speedy. He's going to be on special teams and he fits the nickel. He's going to play nickel for the Dolphins. He's a slot corner and he's the Dolphins are going to play a lot of man-to-man in the coming years. That's Flores' big thing. He wants to play man-to-man. He wants to be aggressive on the defensive end. And this really solidifies the D-backs, defensive backs for the Miami Dolphins. And I mean, if I'm a, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm not looking forward to playing the Dolphins, um, at least for my quarterback to be playing them as they're really building around this defensive back and we'll see what comes out of it, but it's definitely going to be dangerous. And what, yeah, I mean, as I said, like they could have got Swift or McKinney, but it, the pick definitely shocked me at first and it still shocks me a little bit, but it's growing on me. So that will wrap up that. And I believe we are going to move to the most irrelevant big four teams. And then Lewis is going to take that away. Yeah. So um, we're going to, for the big four teams, we're going to talk about a organization that we feel like doesn't have a good fan base, isn't really talked about in the media and we just feel like they don't really belong in professional sports. So for me, I'm going to have to go with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I mean, <laughs> they basically threw a slab of ice down in the desert. Uh, I mean, recently they've been playing a little bit better. In years past, they've been, they've been a pretty bad team. Uh, so that's going to be definitely my number one in terms of most irrelevant big four sports team. Uh, let's go to Chris for his opinion. Well, my one is the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm sticking with hockey. Let's just first talk a little bit about their lack of success. They've won zero championships. They've won one playoff series win. And they've won one playoff series in their entire franchise history last year against Tampa Bay. Now to location. They play in Ohio. What state is more irrelevant than Ohio? But then we're going to go into this. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. Ohio is a very irrelevant state. I think. Okay. I think Wyoming is more relevant. <laughs> no, but they don't have a pro sport. They don't have a pro sports team. But they don't. Okay. Not, they don't even play in in Cincinnati or Cleveland. They play in Columbus. Other than Ohio State football, there's nothing there. Um, other than the Capitol building, I guess, because that's the capital of the state. They <laughs> traded away their greatest franchise player in Rick and Ash, and he requested a trade. And you know you're irrelevant when, and you there's no spotlight, and it's just in the shadows when you want to go to New York and play on Broadway and play in front of the big lights. And lastly, you know you're irrelevant when you get switched conferences because you have no rivals. In 2013, the Blue Jackets got switched from the West to the East. Another team, is uh, to complement what you're saying, Lewis, they're switching. The Predators switched, I think. I'm not sure. No, the Predators didn't, but the Coyotes are switching in a couple of years from Pacific to Central. But, I mean, that shows that you do not have rivals. If, if you could just get picked up and switched like that, because they're obviously not going to move a team like, let's say, Toronto. They're not going to move Toronto to the West or Chicago to the East. So for me, I, I, the Blue Jackets are the most irrelevant big four franchise. All right. I can hop into mine right away. I'm, I'm going with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, That's a good one. I'm, we're talking about the longest active playoff drought in NBA, in the NBA, 13 years. have only appeared in one conference final since they've been in Sacramento in 2003, I believe. 
it's the most random city ever. I mean, there's three bigger cities in the state. I just uh, went there. It's there's nothing there. <laughs> hey, I I was in San Francisco uh, in Sacramento. I liked it. We have family friends there, so you guys there's can gang up on me there. and talk about Ohio. There is I, Sacramento is great. Capital. No. Let me finish. Let me finish. Yeah, right? yeah. Go ahead, Matt. So that there, I mean, there's three bigger teams there, like much bigger teams in the state. Uh, when you name NBA teams, I think it's probably the most easily forgotten. It's probably the last one you think about. And since they've been to Sacramento, they've only had four players that's been on the first, second, or third team all NBA. Can you guys even think of them? Because I actually found Chris them out. Weber. Bibby? Chris Weber. Bibby? Marcus Cousins. Yes. Mike Bibby, as Chris oh. said. Jason Williams. Nope. Tyreek Evans. No. Mitch Richmond and Peja Stoyakovich. But there's oh, only four. There's four. Uh, old, I, think, I think Mitch Richmond was – oh, sorry. Chris Weber was the only one to get first team, and that was like one year. But the point is that – they don't have stars. Whenever they make a draft pick, it either doesn't work out or they're just uh, they Buddy Heald. So, huh? Buddy Heald. I mean, he has to become a superstar. Buddy Heald. Well, yeah, they're, they're, the start, they're starting, yeah. but I agree they're very relevant. All right, yeah, that's, my, that's mine. All right, I'm, I'll go into mine uh, real quick. Um, the Seattle Mariners, most irrelevant team ever. Uh, I mean, historically, they're irrelevant. I'll, I'll explain why they're relevant over the last 19 years. You know why they're relevant? They've never been to a playoffs in the last 19 years. It's the longest drought in sports history. Have not gone to the postseason. Insane. Can you name a Mariners player? Any of you? Felix Hernandez. Hernandez. He's on the Braves. <laughs> uh, David something. <laughs> <laughs> you can. This is incredible. But then again, it's baseball. We are on baseball. a sports podcast. And none of you can name a player on a team. That is insane. That is how and, – and, and, and you know what? I don't even know, need to go any further. They're 23rd ranked in ERA. They're 29th in, in batting average. But I think that really shows how irrelevant the Seattle Mariners are. So I feel like they play, and they play, like – And they play in Seattle, which is no one watches them. They're three hours behind the East Coast. They are absolutely not paid attention to. The last – the only player that is ever significant in the amount – Seattle Mariners are Ken Griffey Jr. And the last time he stepped foot in a Mariners uniform was 2008. So well, Adam, you saw you saw a game there. What, were there a lot of fans? Like I feel like they are they are, they are eleventh worst in the MLB in fan attendance. Wow. That's I went to a game yeah. there. They'll only hold the place in my heart. They let me run the they let me run the bases after the game. <laughs> well, they need to because they need to bring the fans in somehow, Lou. Yeah. I guess so. Don't have a good field team to put don't have a good team to put on the field. So are they Seattle actually are Mariners, very forgettable. They are very, very forgettable. forgettable. Yeah, I almost went with them. I they were the they were the next one I was thinking about. I like Look. the Kings though, Matt. That was the next one I was thinking about. <laughs> this is the pin they gave me. I ran the bases, 2012. Very <laughs> nice, Lou. Oh, you did run the bases. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Lou. All right, so now we're gonna move into forgotten players do we have time for this i think i think we'll we'll save this one for next week uh we'll go or if we have time that. at the end or if we have time um, at the end, or if we, we have come back. time but uh we get we we want to get into this next debate which i think everyone's really gonna like okay cool all right so let's move it over to adam to introduce our structured debate for this week all right so as lewis mentioned previously um we're gonna debate this came this came into our minds last night we really wanted to talk about it uh, was Jordan Love at number 27 for the – number 26? 26, 26. For, for the Green Bay Packers, was that the right pick? Uh, was it a good pick, bad pick? It's going to be myself and Lewis arguing that it was a bad pick, Matt and Chris arguing that it was a good pick. So, Matt and Chris, you guys go into it. 
Well, I'll start off. Um, the first thing to mention is that Aaron Rodgers is not going to live forever. He's 36 years old. And while he said he wants to play until 40, his numbers declined last year. And by bringing in a guy like Jordan Love, who's a very high risk, high reward player, and who could pan out to be a great NFL quarterback or a major bust, there's no player, maybe Tom Brady, other than maybe Tom Brady, that I want like a potential future franchise quarterback to sit behind. And I, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to give Jordan Love a great insight into quarterback. He'll be able to speak his, uh, pick his mind a bit. And additionally, about wide receivers, there this wide receiver class is one of the deepest we've had in drafts in so long. The Packers can easily trade up to get a wide receiver in the second round. And I mean, while Aaron Rodgers is probably not too happy at the moment, I think it could be a great tandem. And I think that Jordan Love has the best potential in Green Bay because he isn't because he can pick Aaron Rodgers' mind and he's in a situation to win there, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they did the same thing with Brett Favre, with Aaron Rodgers. I think it's the perfect time to do it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers probably has three or four years left. And if you just talk about Jordan Love, I think letting him sit behind Aaron Rodgers kind of raises that, you know, floor of his. I mean, he has flashes of Aaron Rodgers, I think. I mean, I, and like that, you can't teach. You can teach cleaning up decision-making. You can't teach having a rocket right on. I mean, not, not everyone has that. So I think, I think he has a lot of wow throws. He can throw well on the move. And if you look at his film junior year, when he had a team around him, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's what the people are talking about. So I, th- I think a lot of it was the team around him, similar to Justin Herbert. And obviously, there's a lot of cleanup, but that's why you're seeing mine and Rodgers to get better. All right. Well, I'm going to go into my argument first and let Lou back me up. Uh, but I'm going to start out with a question. When was the last time a team that had made it to a conference championship or higher to the Super Bowl drafted a QB as their first pick in the draft? Can you name any? Because when, when my research for this segment, I couldn't name a single team in NFL history that had done so. So if there is, if our listeners are out there listening to this, you guys can bring it to my attention. I, I don't remember that happening ever. Uh, so that's first. If you guys want to respond to that, you can. Um, and the second point is that Green Bay needs defense. They were the 23rd ranked rushing defense in the league last season they got run all over despite even their their great record and the reason they didn't make it to a super bowl last year was that because they got run all over for four touchdowns by raheem fucking mostert <laughs> a six round pick who had been on seven fucking teams so i i don't i don't know how you don't address the issues on defense uh, in in green bay i mean you're drafting the quarterback of the future, but you're not playing for now. This is a team that was one win away from a Super Bowl. This is a team that's not building for the future. They're, they're building. Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest QBs in, in franchise history and NFL history. You have an opportunity to send him out on top, and you don't take advantage of that. I just, I just don't know. Yeah, Adam, I think you really put the nail in the coffin on that one. But, uh, I mean, adding, adding on to that, I just – think that it's wild for them to start planning for the future and drafting Rogers' successor when he still has at least four years left with the team. I mean, he still has four years left on his contract. He talks about how he wants to play into his 40s, so we could see him getting extended. Uh, they really did need to draft one of those uh, one of those linebackers or, I mean, also just trading up for Jordan Love. Why? Why? I don't understand it. it no one was going to draft him. Yeah. Who is there? Yeah, I thought it was. Who were they worried about? Was it the Titans? Was they worried about the Titans of picking them of dra- of trading up? Yeah, I mean, the Titans, the Patriots. Yeah. Well, the, they were after the Patriots. The Patriots traded out of the first round. But well, I think it was the Titans. Up. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is our is there a rebuttal? Yeah, you oh. guys can go into your rebuttal. 
Okay, right, I mean, okay, go ahead, Chris. You got it, Hassan. Okay, I mean, all, all I'm going to say is, like, obviously that they had more immediate needs, but the most important position in the sport is quarterback. So you can't let quarterback become a need. And, you know, so they, they kind of stalled that for the next however many years. And so I think it's important. I think it's important that they got it now, especially because he's at the downside of his career. And, yeah, with adding on to Hassan, Jordan Love, as I mentioned before, definitely has one of the highest upsides of any of the quarterback prospects in the draft class. And I think putting him in a good fit with Aaron Rodgers and in Green Bay can help him get to his greatest potential because he has a lot of raw talent. His problems are that he's just a poor decision-making. But a lot of those things you can you can groom and you can trim down. And I think being in Green Bay gives him the best chance to succeed and be a future franchise quarterback for the Packers after Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I do, I'll let Lou go, but uh, I just don't know that, that Aaron Rodgers is technically really on his way out. I mean, like, as Lou said, he wants to play in his 40s. We're seeing Tom Brady going in. His, his, he's 42, and he's still going to play for the Bucs for probably two more seasons. Um, so we're seeing QBs go later and later in their careers. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, with the he does have injury concerns, but he his mentality is that he wants to be on the field. So I, I just don't think ment- the mentality-wise that adds up. And if we're seeing Jordan Love make his first NFL start for the Green Bay Packers in 2025, I just don't think that's worth it. Yeah, I mean, if there was two years left on Rodgers' contract, then, I mean, I could support your your opinion, Matt and Chris. But, I mean, I wish that the Green Bay front office consulted with Aaron Rodgers on this pick because, obviously, it kind of – it's almost like a little bit of a backstab. Yeah, I think it just rubbed him the wrong way. But that's kind of our debate. You guys decide who won, who lost. We'll obviously post this up on Instagram, be on YouTube, be down in the comments section, hitting us up with uh, who you thought took the dub. All right, rolling along. We had a hockey quiz last week. This week we have a football quiz brought to you by me. Um, (laughs) The questions will get progressively harder. And we have a couple bonuses worked in there, so it's going to make it a little interesting, okay? I'm excited. So, and, I, and I'm going to call on you. I have orders mapped out, so everyone kind of gets an equal amount of positioning. Um, so I'm going to start with, with an easy one. And Adam, you get to go first. Okay. Who was the league MVP last season? Ah, the league MVP was Lamar Jackson. Lewis? Lamar Jackson. Chris? Lamar. All right, so we we were three for three there. That's a that's a that's a good that's a good start. Next, I almost one. I almost said Pat Mahomes. I, I almost said I was thinking about Mahomes. That's why I wanted to trick you because I think yeah. About that. <laughs> I almost caught. I just caught myself. All right, next one. Name one player that was top three in rushing yards last season. We're gonna go with Lewis first. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Chris. Um. Was Kamara there? Adam. I know Chris is definitely wrong, uh, but I didn't want to say McCaffrey. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say McCaffrey again. I'm, I'm going to try to go out on a hook. I oh, think I know. Guy, I know All right, Matt, can I change uh, my quick? Chris was the only one that was right. It was ah, is Saquon there? Is Saquon? Derek Henry. Uh, Derek Henry. Yeah. Derek Henry, Cook no. was top five, maybe. Yeah, he was close, but I don't yeah. think how great. He, but he got injured that oh that yeah. that's that fucked up my fantasy team. That was so annoying. Okay. All right, next one. This one has a bonus. What team did Joe Montana finish his career with? And I'll give you a bonus if you can name where he went to uh school. We're gonna go with Chris first. <laughs> um 
Damn, that's a one out of 31 chance. Um, let's go. Cincinnati? I've, I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. All right. Um, <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs, and where did he go to school? Ah, oh, where did Joe Montana go to school? I'm gonna say he went to school. I don't. He didn't go to Cal. I feel like he went somewhere in like maybe Stanford. Lewis, I forgot to do my school, Matt. Can Kansas I say City, Adam? Kansas City Chiefs? And I think he went to Arkansas. Prison I'm gonna just. School. Let's go Texas. All right, you guys. Uh, Adam and Lewis, you were correct in the Kansas City Chiefs. None of you got the college right. It was Notre Dame. Oh, wow. Uh, Dang. Right. So right now the standings are Lewis three, Adam two, and Chris one. All right. So now I, I kind of – the next three questions are going to be based on your specific teams. You might get a little bit of an advantage. But I'm going to start off with the Miami Dolphins. Who, who was the Miami Dolphins' first-round pick last year? Adam Jackman. <laughs> Oh my God! Last year, holy shit! I'm not gonna get this. You know what? I'm just gonna say Laramie Tunsil because he's funny. <laughs> All right, uh, Lewis. Um, was it? Who was it? Oh my God! I have no idea. Wow! Time to bring me my money. <laughs> Christian Wilkins, Clemson. Chris got it right. That was that's what it was. Okay, All right, yeah, next, no idea. next, the New York Giants. We're gonna start with Lewis. How many Super Bowls have the New York Giants appeared in? Not one, but have how many have they appeared in? They've appeared in five Super Bowls. I was gonna say five too. Yeah, it's five. Dang it, I don't get an advantage on that. Yeah, it was five. Oh, I knew that. I, All right, so. Next, we're going to move on to the New York Jets. Lewis is rocking the Jamal Adams jersey. Yo, so whoever's who is, phone is that? Turn yo, that who's, off. Yo, 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 we got a timeout. Who's, whose phone's popping off here? Who's getting all the ladies' that's text my, messages? That's my, that's, that's my computer. Oh, Matt, you're popular. I need it. We can just cut this out, right? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Who is the New York Jets' all-time leading passer? We're going to start with Chris. Go name it. It's probably wrong, but I've, I'll go. With um, Adam. I'm going to go with Broadway Joe, but it's definitely wrong. It seems too easy. Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I right. don't even know who that is. No, Adam and Chris are right. It's Joe, it's Joe Namath. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Adam, virtual high five. All right, now we're all, we're all tied hurts. at four. That, that hurts. hurts. And Lewis got his own question wrong. We're all tied at four. Oh, all let's right. go. That was a four teams, four teams have lost four Super Bowls. Name two of them. We're going to start with Adam. All right. The Bills, obviously. And um, the Patriots. All right. Lewis. Bills and Patriots. Chris. Bills, Bills and Pats. You guys are right. The two that you met were missing were the Vikings. Cowboys? The, the Vikings Cowboys and the Broncos also have, Broncos also have lost that many. I was deciding between New England and Dallas. I just know Dallas won a lot. Yeah. Um, Those guys got it right because I, I figured out the second one. 
Okay, so two teams did not make the playoffs at all in the decade of 2010s. The Browns, and what's the other one? We're going to start with Lewis. The Browns and the Raiders. I was, I was going to say the Raiders, too, actually. Adam. Now that I'm, now I'm thinking I'm wrong. Go with your gut, Adam. Don't let us because I'm not 100% Lions? sure. No, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Raiders made it. When did the Raiders make it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Derek Carr got hurt, but they were in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember oh, that. Yeah. And the Lions made the playoffs twice. I, they lost to the Cowboys and the Seahawks, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All okay. right. That was a good question. On to question number nine. Four players who are currently on rosters are top 50 all time in receiving yards. Name two, and you'll get a bonus if you name everyone after that. All right? So we're going to start with Chris. Larry Fitzgerald. And say, I think I have an idea, but I'm not sure. I'll say, are tight ends included or no? Yeah, just passing yards. I'm going to go with Julio Jones. Um. Do I have a time limit or? I'll give you five, I'll give you five more seconds. Shit. Um, I'll just say Gronk and T.Y. Hilton. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Adam, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Julio, Jason Witten. Oh, um, that's a good one. Um, trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. I don't know why I'm stuck. Uh, all right, that's it. That's all I have. All right, Lewis. Yeah, I'm going to go Larry. I'm going to go Julio. And wait, we're talking about receiving yards, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, two more. I'm going to go with, with Des Bryant. Is he on a roster right now? No. Okay, no. <laughs> not this Bryant. Gronkowski, Witten, or <laughs> All right, uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Adam got Adam got three of them. The rest of you got two. So Adam's up seven six to six. The fourth one you guys missed was Deshaun Jackson on the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow, that's good. Yeah. Um, Wait, Adam, who's the third? Yeah, one? I tried to block Deshaun Jackson or... out of my memory. Wait, who is the third one? It was it's Julio, uh, Fitz, Jason Witten, and then uh, which Adam got right, and then Deshaun uh, Jackson. All right, the last uh, question, and this requ- this requires focus. Chris, please don't take too long to answer this. <laughs> Tom Brady has appeared in nine Super Bowls. I want you guys to name all nine opponents and how many times he played each one of them. We're gonna okay. start off with Adam. Okay, he's played the Giants twice. He's played the Seahawks. He's played the Rams twice. So that's uh, that's five right there. Um, then he's played the Eagles, uh, Eagles, Eagles, Panthers. That's two more. So that's seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, holy God, more than that. He's played in nine Super Bowls. Giants. That's seven. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, there's two more. Uh, Super Bowl. I'm going to give you five. 
four. I, I'm three. done. I can't. I don't know. Okay. Man, um, what? Go ahead. More than that. Rams twice. Giants twice. Panthers, Seahawks, Eagles, Falcons. Damn it. And last one is crap. <laughs> Five. Four, wait, 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 wait. Three. Two. One. I think I have it. I think I have it. Giants twice. Rams twice. Eagles twice. Panthers, Seattle. Damn it. Oh, it is Eagles twice. Yes, I knew that. They beat the Eagles the first time, and they lost them later on. So we have a tiebreaker. Chris and Adam are tied at seven. Fortunately for you guys, I prepared two tiebreaker questions. So we're going to start. Okay, so who did the Saints beat in their only Super Bowl win? We're going to go with Chris. Uh, I believe it's the Colts. Adam? Yes, the Colts. I think. All right, all right. so that, that didn't work. Which team <laughs> was the number one ranked offense in points last season? Who? That's the question. I'll go no, first. Who? 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 Uh, Adam, go, Adam, go first. In points? In points. Uh, yeah, points. Points scored. The Baltimore Ravens. Chris? I'm going to make it interesting and go with the Chiefs, but I, I think it very well could be the Ravens. Da, 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 da. Adam wins. It's the Ravens. Yeah, because they put up 59 points against the Dolphins. That is true. Shut out. Oh, that was brutal. They, they scored like 40 against the Rams. Oh, no, we got, I think we got the touchdown late. All right, that's 59-7 or something. All right. Victory, baby. Sounds good. Oh, poor Lou. Poor Lou. Still hung up from the clubs. <laughs> Lou at football. All right, I got so. hurt with the Jets question. Yeah. That cost you, bud. So, Matt, what are the uh, – what's it called? The total points for this quiz section with the questions right. Adam got eight. Chris, you got seven. And Lewis got six. All right. So, so, Adam so Lewis got six. Seven. And you got – who? Chris got what? Seven. And then you got eight. What would you get? Oh, Matt, nothing. Right. Okay. So, the, so the point totals um, for today only – uh, Chris got 17, I got 19, and Lewis got 13 for today. Um, so we'll compile that. We'll put that on the Instagram later um, to see who's currently in the lead. Um, so me and Lewis should be more ahead because Matt didn't get to participate and Chris didn't get to participate. But it'll all even out at the end of the season, which is 12 episodes. And uh, it'll it'll actually even out every four weeks. So in two weeks, we'll have like the – first third standing so we'll bring that to you um but today i won the quiz and uh leading in the points for today we'll see how that shakes out at the end and adam uh do we have enough time for the interesting story of the week uh well right now we're about an hour and 10 minutes so uh i think i can save it for next week save that for next next week week. well something to look forward to for our listeners yeah definitely it's going to be really cool it's hockey related and it's about the edmonton oilers that's a Bit of a preview. Nice. All right, Chris. Well, you got to finish us up with the final segment of the day. Well, for our standing – well, so do you guys want to go to the forgotten players or what are you looking we're at? We're going to the interesting story. Oh, I just said, do you, do you want to do the interesting story now or next episode? Oh, no, we're doing the interesting story now, not the forgotten players. Oh, okay. So for our interesting story – in 10th grade, it was, I believe it was October or early November, Adam and I went to 
the Edmonton Oilers against the New York Islanders at Barclays Center. And Adam was a newfound Oiler fan. We got a shipment of Oiler jerseys from Jonas Maisel, Matt's friend on the fake jersey thing. And Adam became an Oiler fan after seeing how good Connor McDavid was. So I, I think that's fair. So we went to the game and we had seats on the blue line. We, my dad got pretty good, very good seats, 12 rows up right on the blue line. However, we decided to push our luck. We decided to go down to the first row for warmups right next to the Oilers bench. And we just stayed there and nothing happened. We were able to sit first row of for Islanders Oilers for until the second period when these three guys in suits came down and said, these are our seats. So we just moved back to the second row, still right in, basically right next to the glass. And it was just amazing being that close right next to the Oilers bench. It was just fantastic. And the biggest thing and the coolest thing for me and for Adam, at least, I believe this was McDavid's either rookie year or his first full healthy season. Yeah. It was two, it was 2016. 16. So we got to see him fly. And McDavid is arguably one of the fastest skaters in the league after Matt Barzell won the fastest skater. Props <laughs> to Barzi. But McDavid is flying around the ice. We're sitting second row, first row for most of the game. And it's just crazy to see. And when the Oilers score, they go by the bench. They like they they do their their fist bumps past the bench. And we are literally the next person on the bench. So we're literally sitting next to the backup goalie on the Oilers. So we're on the second, the first row for basically <laughs> the entire game. And when the Oilers come down to score, Everly, future Islander, well, present Islander, scores goal for Edmonton. Adam's up against the glass, putting his fist out as if he's getting a fist bump because he's the, literally the next person right next to the Andre Sekera, who was like sitting at the end of the bench. So I just thought that was a really good, cool story that we got to see arguably the greatest star in the NHL and someone who can be a really, really solid player well, not even solid. We already know he's amazing, but a future, a future top player of all time, maybe if everything goes right for McDavid. But it was just crazy. It was a life, once in a lifetime experience, just to sit in the first row and see the fastest skater in NHL history, arguably, just speed down across the ice. And it was just an awesome experience. Adam, anything to add on that? Yeah, to add on that, uh, the game went to overtime. It went to a shootout. shootout. It was four three. Oilers won. Uh, it was, I think Latestu ended it on a, on a, on a shootout. Uh, mm -hmm. I knew, I knew way more Oilers back then. And I got into it because of the video games also, because Shell, sure. I loved all the names, Lucic, Latestu, Dreisaitl, <laughs> they were all fucking awesome. Um, so that's why I became an Oilers fan, but, uh, second to the Rangers, of course. Uh, but no, oh, that was a great game. I mean, these, like, I think they were like these Russian guys in suits, uh, that came down and took their seats. They came like in the midway through the second period they had yeah. money growing out their ass probably <laughs> um and then when we got moved back like i think we got moved back to eventually to the third row by like overtime and i was like cheering for the oilers and then this like pissed off islander fan in the in the row of, uh in front of us he turned around and said shut up kid like and i was just like shook like and then chris is like yeah maybe you shouldn't go as crazy as you are um, i mean in the defense of that Fan, I don't think it's personally the best thing to tell a kid in 10th grade to shut up, but I mean, Adam was, for the listeners, very rambunctious to say the least. Mm -hmm. And when I say very I rambunctious, very every time a player touched the puck, he was like, go, Lucic, go, go, Lucic, go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, nice pass, good job, good job, good job. It was, pass, over, good it was overtime, to be fair. It was yeah. overtime. It, 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 was, it was great, though. It was a great memory. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that was awesome. Was uh, cool. Wouldn't trade that for anything. It was just, yeah, great, great time at the Barclays Center. Um, so, yeah, that'll conclude our show. We got next time forgotten players of, of every sports league. Um, Chris will take hockey. Lou will take uh, basketball. Matt will take football. I will take baseball. Uh, really interesting guys we're going to bring you next week. Um, and we said you and won we're going to have right more now. draft. Rea- what did you say, Chris? You won the quiz, so that means you're doing the – you won the quiz, so you're doing the quiz. I am doing the quiz. Baseball next week. Oh, yeah, this is this is my – you, you, you guys are in for – Thank you very much. Don't it worry. I'll, I'll, I'll start you off easy, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have some fun next week. Um, and tomorrow we have a very special guest on the podcast. Um, I'm going to reveal him now because you guys are listening and you guys get the priority. Justin Wright Foreman, the, uh, he is a um, guard on the Utah Jazz, has played in the NBA this season most of the time in the G League, but really thankful that he's coming on and giving us the time during, this, uh, during the quarantine. And uh, it's going to be a really great interview. You're going to want to uh, – Definitely. It's going to be great. He was a second-round pick last year, one of the leading scorers in Hofstra history for basketball. Yeah, second-leading scorer all second time. Leaders. And so a Long Island native. He's from the School of Construction, right, yep, in Queens. Yeah. Yeah. And we we all saw him in college. Adams kept a good relationship with him as Adam went out to USC. And we're thrilled to have him on the show tomorrow. It's going to be great. We're going to pick his mind for most of the interview. And then we're going to conclude with a little bit of a rapid fire just about what he enjoys and about his personality and who he is. And then we'll conclude it with a fun game. We believe it's going to be a 2v2 draft in the NBA all time. And that's going to be really interesting to hear who he puts in his starting lineup. So it's going to be a fun one tomorrow. we got a great show for you next Friday. So thank you all for tuning in to this uh, second week of All That Talk. For Adam Jackman. (laughs) Well, we're just going to end it right there, folks, because we can't say our names, because that's who we are. But thank you again for tuning in, and have a good rest of your guys' weekend.